0: Hello, and welcome to From Mrs. to Me, a podcast where you'll be inspired by courageous stories of strength and resilience told by women just like you who have been through the upheaval of divorce. This is their journey from Mrs. to me, finding their true identity and creating a bold, beautiful life. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and I'm your host, a certified life coach and divorce mother of two. Join me each week as we explore real stories of divorce, and what it takes to transform and live in alignment with the real you. Welcome to another episode of From Mrs. to Me. I'm Chrissy Freeman, Divorce Empowerment Coach and your host. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Our next guest, Mary Tolan Shaw, and I met through a mutual friend, Julie Riesler, owner of the Life Designer Coach Academy. As fellow graduates of Julie's coaching program, I was immediately drawn to Mary's story of transformation after divorce. I always say there are no accidents in life and meeting Mary was certainly no accident. So for some background on Mary, Mary went through her divorce in 2009 after 23 years of marriage. Like so many of us, Mary's marriage had become a partnership that wasn't life-giving or in alignment with the life she knew she wanted. Mary, a well-educated, successful executive, felt completely drained and unfulfilled for over a decade, developing thyroid health problems and experiencing intense panic attacks as a a result, excuse me, of being so out of alignment with her authentic self. Mary recognized that she wasn't helping anyone in her family by staying in this relationship. With the support of her faith, friends, and family, Mary summoned the courage to leave and reestablish a new and better life for herself and her three teenage children. So on today's program, we'll follow Mary's healing path to rediscovering herself, reclaiming her dignity, and her blossoming as an individual and a mom, redefining family. So today, Mary is a spiritual life coach, a heart math mentor, a retreat speaker, and a life cycle celebrant. Wow. Welcome, Mary, to our show. So much for you to share, and I'm so excited to have you. Oh, I'm just
1: absolutely delighted to be here, Chrissy. It's such an honor and privilege to be on this show with you and to really reach out to all the beautiful sovereign women. My my heart is just filled with so much compassionate care for each woman's journey. Uh, yeah, so I'm just really appreciative to be here.
0: Oh, so happy to have you. And for those of you who don't know Mary, she literally leads with her heart. And that is one of the many things that drew me to Mary. But I know you will feel the same after this episode today. So, Mary, to go back um, to your bio a little bit, um, you talk about some of the health issues you experience. You know, you talk about thyroid issues and panic attacks during your marriage. And what I wanted to go back. And look at is at that time, can you describe for me who Mary was? Oh, sure. Thank you.
1: That's a great question, Chrissy. I would say that Mary was a compartmentalization expert. I had learned to press down anything that was coming up that felt difficult and convinced myself that I had the power to press it down and therefore not deal with it. And if I didn't deal with it, that somehow it would just go away. And it took me um, being in therapy when these health issues really started to arise um, to recognize uh, that as I pressed those issues down, they were like trash. They became smelly. They became ugly. They started to compost within me, destroying my very lifeblood, and that I had to open that vat and air it out and let everything come up, let the resentment, the anger, the sadness, the regret, the loneliness, the fear, and I was really afraid at that point, and I think that's why when I would have the panic attacks quite commonly in the car when I was by myself, And I think it was a container, almost a sacred container, where my true self would just start to come up. And I was so afraid of it overwhelming me, Chrissy, that the energy it was taking to hold it down created this agita within me that really caused the panic attacks. And it wasn't until I sat and got the help from just a marvelous a psychologist who helped me to see that, that that vat could be aired out, that it could be once again made fragrant, and that by just dwelling in those emotions that were unpleasant and facing that they were trying to protect me, that they had messages for me, that they were gifts to me, rather than something to be contained, to be shut down. Um, but even as a little girl, you know, I had been taught very much, Chrissy, when I'd come home from school and be angry or upset about something, my mom would say, why don't you go to your room? And when you're ready to come back out with a smile, then come back out. And I had been given that messaging that anything less than beautiful, pleasant, positive, um, gracious, was not acceptable, and that that would isolate me and that that was a way of being that was not okay. And I took that into my adulthood without question and, and faced the consequences of the choices I made about those emotions that were difficult, about realities that I didn't want to face.
0: Yeah. Oh, so many great things. I think that you shared. I mean, so many of us push down these feelings and, and it's, it's subconscious. We don't even really realize what's happening at the time. Right. And until it gets to that point where your body is amazing in that it does speak to us and we're not always listening to it, but there are always these messages that I think we are getting. And it's not until we actually get to that point of, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. And it's that message that comes to us and it comes to us in so many different ways. And I want to speak just briefly about panic attacks because I know I experience them. And I know so many women that I've spoken to before have experienced them. And just briefly, so the audience, if you've ever experienced one, sometimes You know, people think they're having a heart attack. It's literally, you know, you get these cold sweats, your heart is racing like it's going to come out of your chest. You feel these, you know, this overwhelming fear. Uh, That's all that I can, you know, that's the only way to describe it. And when I would get them, the one thing that would calm me down was I would walk, my children were young at the time, and I would walk into their room and I would watch them breathe as they were sleeping. And that was the only thing that could bring me back into my body and ground myself to say, okay, let's get back in the moment. This is not what you think it is. This is all fear, this is all anxiety. And so I'm just sharing that because I think there's other people out there that do experience those. But what's so beautiful about your message, Mary, is that as that was happening, you realized, wait a minute, Something's wrong and I need help. And that's when you sought that help. And that was that sort of one, that was that moment where you started to make things change and you put yourself first, right?
1: Very nice so how so. beautiful. And, and I just have a couple of things I want to share from that, Chrissy. So mm-hmm. My therapist was marvelous and had me, one of the things she shared is that the body never lies. And she put me in with another specialist, a neuroemotional therapist. I was living in Tampa at the time, and so it meant driving over to St. Pete to see Dr. Mary, she was a chiropractor and a neuroemotional therapist, looking at where the fear, where the different emotions would reside in the body and seeing what messages the body has. Well, I was so debilitated um, by the panic attacks that I couldn't get over the bridge. I would drive partway over the bridge and sometimes have to sit for as long as an hour or two hours. To get myself over the bridge to be able to go and see her and i'd have to cancel my appointment with her because i'd say i'm on the side of the howard franklin i'm on the side of the road i can't move and you know and i'd get home and i'd just go to bed because as you were saying i truly felt like i had had a heart attack and i had a beautiful friend linda who I was telling this story to and she made a commitment to me that if I made appointments on a Saturday with Dr. Mary, that she would drive over from St. Pete and drive me over oh. to Dr. Mary's so I could get to those appointments and, and then drive me back to Tampa. And through that, I was able to experience just being in that state of the now with her and realizing that in the state of the now, there was nothing that was going to debilitate me. And it was such victory when gradually I was able to drive myself over the bridge. And now I think about it and it sounds kind of silly, but at the time it was so real. And it was, I almost felt like there was a rope around my car that I just couldn't make it. And as you said, finding an anchor point is really important. For me, it was just looking out on the water and realizing that that the water was there and envisioning that that water of Tampa Bay was comforting me, was, was embracing me, was not there as anything fearful, but there embracing me as I would drive over to get some help. And it, it was... It was beautiful. I mean, it was a journey of recovery. And for folks who have never been through that kind of debilitating uh, fear that, that just freezes you over, um, it's something that, that even the fear of having the panic attack could debilitate me. And, and gradually, you know, I just surrendered. And the more I surrendered to the emotions that had me crippled in fear, the less and less the panic attacks became. Yeah.
0: Oh, Mary, Uh, there's so much in what you just shared. Um, you know, one of the things is when we presence ourselves in the now, there is nothing wrong in this moment. As we stand here, as you sit there, there is nothing wrong in this moment. What happens is when we get outside of that and we start looking externally for things, or we start projecting into the future, or we start shaming ourselves for things in the past, we're not living in this moment. And in this moment, there is nothing wrong. And so I just, I just love that about the now, how you shared that and also how you shared about the water and it, you know, sort of just comforting you. And, you know, that there, there's a lot of work that I do in my Facebook group around visualization and how to really just, that also helps to ground you in, okay, you think about the water as it's sort of wrapping around you and comforting you in that moment and how beautiful, and it just shifts your mindset. And and you just gave a perfect example of overcoming that fear by using that tool. And so how beautiful is that? And it also helps to shift me sort of to my next question, because you talked about this beautiful friend who, thank goodness for her, because she helped you to get over that bridge. And I think that is so important as we talk to the audience around, don't do this alone. You know, we all need support. And, you know, I always talk about the village, you know, who is your village and those people that love you unconditionally. And, you know, when you want to make change and some hard changes and show up authentically, and you're so afraid of taking that step, lean on those people. And so my question to you is, Tell me about that sort of shift. You know, when we're in a marriage, we sometimes play that role of wife. And so we're not even allowing us to have that time with our friends or surround ourselves with those people. Tell me about your village, sort of how they played a role in you going through this transformation and really taking those steps towards changing your life. Yeah. Thank you, Chrissy. Oh,
1: I'm just thinking of so many of the beautiful women and family members. Um, when I was getting ready for my divorce, I was, I was raised a cradle Catholic. And so when I took those vows at age 24, um, not even fully recognizing the impact of what those words might be, um, there was a tremendous amount of guilt in me and shame and agita about the thought of of leaving and how I would be judged as a divorced woman, a single mom, uh, you know, maybe no longer acceptable somehow. You know, full of shame and and it. You know, I think about one of my friends, Sharon, who is just so incredibly beautiful and would periodically take me out to dinner and. She said, Mare, you're rusting on the runway. And her words just really powerfully seared me, Chrissy. You know, she, she said, there is so much potential in you. You are so much more than the box that you are crunching yourself into. You know, I remember being with my friend Mary um, and her just saying, you know, you're a divine presence. And I just see so much light in you, you know, and so much potential. And she just started tearing up. And she just said, let me know what it's going to take for Mary to be the best version of herself. My friend Lisa, who called me on the day I was leaving and just said, I am on the sidelines, baby. I am cheering you so hard today, you know, Oh, you gave me chills. Oh, you just go, Oh, I love these people in my life. Gail, who was this beautiful, soft, gentle spirit who said, You're modeling the way for so many. Do you realize that you're modeling the way that you are? You're excavating the path for so many, Mary. That just by what you're doing in your being and moving forward is setting the path for others. And then I go to my beautiful mom. My mom, the last 10 years of her life or so, uh, suffered from vascular dementia and for a number of years didn't know me most of the time, Chrissy. And, and it's a, an illness I wouldn't wish on an enemy. And my mom was this beautiful, tender, gentle soul. Of a woman and somebody I just adored, and um, I was up on a visit with my brother to help put her into assisted living. She and my dad to make things easier on them. And my brother had stopped to get gas in the car. The phone rang. It was my my husband. We got into a pretty heated argument. Um, my kids were with a friend of mine. Another beautiful way my friend Karen had offered to take care of my kids so that I could be up with my parents, and, and the tenor of the call was, was really uncomfortable and unarming and almost hostile, and my mom with the most beautiful eyes looked at me in the back seat, and she said, oh, love, and I knew she was lucid in that moment. She said, get out, stay out, okay. and such a gift to me, you know, we, we can't do it alone. It's it's the prayers. It's the good wishes. It's people seeing who we could be and encouraging us in that vision of ourselves. I, I had to learn to receive Chrissy. I had always been a giver, a helper, the eldest in the family, always the one who was the strong one, the stable one, the one who could be depended on. And I realized I couldn't do it alone. A lot of times I did. I had to ask for help. I had to have a friend come over so I could have a good cry. I had to, you know, just, yeah, you know, you can't do it alone. It's just too hard. It's too hard alone. And I think a lot of what debilitated me for the years that I stayed in trying to make a go of it was thinking that I had to do it alone. And it wasn't until I was too weak to do it alone that I finally put out my hands and said, help, help. I can't, I can't do this. I can't stay in this, but I can't get out of this alone. I need somebody to help pull me out because I'm too entrenched. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. So many, you have, first of all, a beautiful village. So I have to tell you those women, Mm -hmm. all of them, I want to hug them because they sound just beautiful and amazing souls. So how blessed are you? And, you know, I do want to share with other women out there that, you know, are struggling to find their village because there are those women out there who have secluded themselves so much. And, you know, now they want to get out of the marriage and they don't, they feel like they don't have anyone. You know, there are so many ways. I know you are so involved in the church, Mary, and I know that you've met a lot of people through the church, and I'm sure you've met them in other ways, but you know, there are different communities where you feel connected to others. And, you know, it could be church, it could be a yoga studio, it could be a woman's group, it could be volunteering, you know, find what lights you up and what brings you joy and go to those places And I encourage you, you know, just, just, it can be scary, but I do also feel that change happens when we get out of our comfort zone. And as much as it's not always a good comfort zone, it's still comfort because you know it, even if it's challenging. So really putting yourself out there can be hard, but it also can be so beautiful. So I, and your story is just another example in the beauty of friendship. So thank you for that. And God bless your mother as well, because what a beautiful gift she gave you. So, um, I do want to shift for just a minute and just, so all, you know, these friends, you have all this support, you're now going to therapy, you know, you're getting yourself better and you're sort of clearing out that stuckness. And so tell me now, when did you sort of make that decision to leave and know that it was time. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, Chrissy. When
1: the student is ready, the, the teachers will come. Um, I ended up going to some marriage counseling. We decided to get some marriage counseling and it ended up being divorce counseling. We went to a counselor who asked to see us each individually and it was a reinforcement of the messaging I had already been receiving from friends, from family. And he was a choice therapist. It was how he described it. And he really ascribed to Wayne Dyer's book, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And very much about a lot of the work that Hay House does that I love so much. and. And it was interesting because he woke me up. He, I went in for the very first visit alone and he said, what are you doing? You're this beautiful woman, elegantly dressed, who's holding it together with three teenage kids and uh, a consuming executive job. You're polite and you're kind and you're gentle and you have in no way disparaged your husband. Do you realize you have choice, choice to be something so much more than you are right now? And, and it woke me up. It really woke me up, Chrissy, that it really wasn't anything about my husband. It was about Me playing too small, choosing to play too small, choosing, as you said so eloquently, to sit in that place of familiarity, in that place of suffering, chosen suffering, chosen suffering. I don't know what that did to feed me, but it woke me up. It it was, it's like staying in a meadow where there's a lot of weeds, when you can walk down the street to the most beautiful flowering meadow and be fed the fragrance and the beauty and the vibrancy of those wildflowers. And, and I just said, yes, that day. I gave my fiat to say yes to something new, to something different, recognizing that living in the energy I was living in was not feeding anyone and it was like something inside me stood up for me and said, yes, you know, as a kid, I remember my parents forced me to take Irish step dancing. I remember going and absolutely hating it. It was... Not- <laughs> I thought you were going to say you loved it. <laughs> no, I was the youngest in the class. I was scrawny. I couldn't seem to hold my back erect and only move my feet. And I finally said one day to my mom, I hate this. I just really don't like this. This is not me. I wanna go to tap and jazz and ballet class with my girlfriends. I don't wanna be in this class. And my mom said, okay. And I stayed doing that other kind of dancing and did a lot of modern dance right through college like it it let me blossom to be me. You know, I my father had me take up violin when I was 12 and hated violin. I you know, it wasn't that I didn't like the beauty of the violin and I still love it as an instrument, but it felt constraining to me and I begged him when I was 13, can you buy me a guitar, dad? And I still play guitar. I love 12 string. It was just my instrument. You know, sometimes you're just out of alignment and you know it. And I thought I need to recapture that girl, that nine-year-old girl, that 13-year-old girl who could speak her mind to say, this is out of alignment with me. This isn't really the best me. And... When I was able to do that, I knew it was time to go. And then things started happening. You know, I my son had a girlfriend who found a townhome for us that was just absolutely perfect. You know, um, I talked to my boss and and let him know what I was going through and that it was going to be difficult. And he was like, work two days a week from home. I'll get you a laptop. I want this to work for you. I see this person inside that I'm excited about. You know, when we open up to being our best self, it's like how I can describe it as Chrissy, it's like being in a field of wheat and the, and this, and the whole wheat starts to open up before you. It's like the, you know, I think of Paul Coelho's, you know, words of, you know, when, when we let our hearts' desires open up, the universe just opens up and conspires to help us, to support us, to be there for us, to bring it to us. And, and I started seeing that happening, you know?
0: Oh, wow. Mary. The energy, first of all, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you probably just saw what I saw, which is just this beautiful light when Mary was talking. And you were talking about this analogy of the weeds and then blossoming into the flowers. And I look up and behind you is that beautiful painting or photograph, whatever that is of the trees and all the color. And I'm just, and you are glowing. And so That's it, right? That is the, you know, really blossoming. It's that blossoming word, blossoming into you. Who are you? You know, and once you make that decision, the universe rewards you. It's like, it's just been waiting for you to say yes to yourself. And as soon as you do that... All of these beautiful gifts submerge and they, or come to life, life, and they just present themselves to you. And so, and also, once you start speaking it out loud, and you start, you know, it, it then all of these things start coming to you. Now, that's part of the sort of manifestation of really making, bringing those beautiful things into your life. Is you have to speak it, feel it, love it and live it. And as hard as it is, <laughs> it's stepping outside. You've got to first step out of that, that, you know, comfort, that restrictive person that is holding you back. And you just have to take one step, one step at a time every single day. And it sounds like that's what you did And all this beauty opened up as a result. Well, and something's coming to me, Chrissy, that I've never thought about before,
1: but I want to share it here. I think it's a spirit. Please do. You know, my kids were raised in Florida. We used to go to Disney a lot, especially, you know, in different seasons where it was nice weather. And I always remember as it would get dark and you'd enter into the darkness, you'd have to put on your glow stick you would have to yes. your glow stick come on that beautiful necklace of vibrant color you know and going into divorce I'm not going to deny it is a bit of going into the darkness you you haven't been there before you don't know what you're facing and, and we can't sugarcoat it you know there are a plethora of emotions that come forward whether it be fear or regret or loneliness or shame or anger or desolation or just you know, uh, uh, how shall I say it? Almost a trepidation of not knowing what's ahead. And we make that trepidation much worse than it is. And I think where my great discovery was finding that glow stick inside me, that spark of God, that spark of love that could not be put out. Um, and that the trepidation, if I came into the present moment, as you said, it's like St. Julian of Norwich says, you know, and all is well and all is well and all will continue to be well. If I'm just here now in the present moment, as Eckhart Tolle says, you know, in that present moment, then the trepidation seems to lose its gravity, you know. But when I stayed in that trepidation, I I couldn't take the next step, Chrissy. I was debilitated from the next step. But when I was able to just return to that glow stick within that, I like to call it that speck of God that he puts in us that is unique to us, then then we're just able to say, you know, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I've got this little candle burning inside of me that's going to light the way. And I'm just trusting that the path will not overwhelm me, that that it's just a step at a time. And I'm not needing to make more than a step at a time.
0: Exactly. And it's just surrendering to that, right? It's that surrender to now, to what is, because all we have is right now. And we can take a step in this moment, one baby step. And it will start to shift things. So thank you for sharing that about the glow stick. I absolutely love that because I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm sure that resonated with so many women out there. So thank you for sharing that, Mary. And I do wanna highlight something that you mentioned as well in your bio, and you talk about this um, healing path to rediscovering yourself. And, you know, we t- I talk so much in my group about, you know, this from Mrs. to me, and a lot of that is about identity, but also about redefining things for yourself. And one of them that you talk about is redefining family. And so many women I talk to are really struggling with that significant change of the family unit. You know, you're no longer married to your spouse. So it's just you and your children and sort of redefining, you know, traditions, what family looks like. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey for you? Sure, sure. So, you know, I had three teens, a son 17,
1: a daughter... 13 and a son 11. So I was in the thick of it, uh, in terms of a lot of change that teens naturally go through. And I realized that in order to make this journey to us, I called it us, the new us, you know, that we needed to redefine who we were. And I had my kids go to therapy with with me with a different counselor than I was getting for personal therapy, and and he was a family specialist, and one of the things he had us do was around a round table just define what we wanted our home to feel like, what we wanted it to feel like when we came home. What would make it feel good? What would make it feel inviting? What were those terms? How did we want to decorate? I mean, I, we redecorated our place, made it look new. And it wasn't with expensive stuff. It was silly little things. It was new magnets on the refrigerator. It was, you know, letting the kids even post, you know, words or things that they liked. It was making it feel like the new us, it was coming up, as you said, with new routines. We made a routine because of where we lived of on those nice days, going to the beach and just, you know, just sitting together of just listening to the water of just being present with each other. A lot of times we didn't say much and we just each did our own thing. You know, my son, Stephen loved to make art, sand art on, on the shore, you know, and just letting him self-express, you know, just taking long walks with my daughter along the shoreline. You know, it was, you know, simple. I really emphasize simplicity. You know, it was, it was communicating openly. For me, there was something that opened up that was a grace I hadn't expected. I was finally able to parent and to mother in the way I wanted to. I defined that parent I wanted to be. I wanted to be an open listener. I wanted to be somebody who, who was compassionate and empathetic and yet strong in boundaries of what was okay and what wasn't okay. I remember coming home from a trip and it was a Friday evening and my daughter had in our patio, a big beer, beer pong tournament going. <laughs> Gotta love those teenagers, Mary. <laughs> and, you know, I came in and I said, how can I make the best of this? And I yeah. looked around for the oldest person and introduced myself. And I said, Hey, how are you? So you, you got the keg. He's like, yeah. I said, okay, we're not going anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere. And I announced, guys, I want you all, I'm going to watch you individually, call your parents and say, hey, Kristen's party's gone long. We're spending the night. Sorry, I can't come home. Yes. And, you know, I'm still friends with that jet that brought in the keg. And he's like, I still laugh about it, Mary. You know, you just, he's like, I think about it now. You handled it really gracefully. You know, you could, uh, you know, explode. Yes. And I'm not going to say that there weren't trying moments. There were in raising teens, but but mm-hmm. I was able to stand in my own power as the mother I wanted to be. And And, you know, it's interesting because now as my kids in their thirties and late twenties, really recall that mom and not the mom of their childhood so much. And I'm really thankful. We have very deep conversations and it's, and it's not that there aren't times where it's still challenging and where being who they are is not difficult for me. It is. You know, I I don't believe that any woman who is truly on the path to wholeness doesn't experience lessons along the way. I'll I'll give you an example. My youngest son got into um, pot in a big way when he was in high school. And I came home one day to find that my mom's um, gemstone garnets had been stolen from my bedroom. And I felt very violated, very violated in a number of ways. I had done so much to create our home to be beautiful and welcoming and inviting and very conscious of the energy we were bringing in and to know that a drug dealer had had come into our space and when uh, my son hadn't been able to pay him took payment in, in a way that was just so violating, so personally violating. And, and yet it was a good lesson for our whole family in about, about protecting sacred space. Um, I think it was a, um, a turning point for my son to see what could happen. And I'm happy to say today that he's a wonderful 27 year old thriving, um, and not, uh, his life is not about drugs or alcohol and stuff, but it took a very painful experience. And, you know, and I've had to say to him several times, that was just a learning. Like, I don't want you to feel any regret. I don't want you to feel anything. It was something our family needed to experience to define a new level of who we are of reforming, Uh, So I'm not going to say that experiences, you know, life doesn't stop happening as we become me. It just happened. We, the way we process it becomes different.
0: Yeah. And what a beautiful lesson for your son, Mm -hmm. you know, is we don't have to hold on to these things. We have to learn from them and grow. And that is the best lesson you can give them. And, you know, So many women struggle with, you know, being sort of the perfect mom and there is no perfect mom. What we can do is love them and is show up and take care of ourselves first, show them how we can do that, show them how we can get through adversity and hard times and come out stronger on the other end. And They are learning. They are like these sponges. You know, we don't think they're watching us, but they are watching us. And so, you know, but we're all still going to have those challenging situations because they're human, they're teenagers, and these things are going to happen. So we could be doing all the right things, showing up in all the right ways, and they're still going to go down a path that may not be a very good path for a period of time but the best that we can do is to hold them accountable and then teach them the lesson you know and it's sort of like it's this it's it's like we're all blossoming at different times and we're learning as we go and so i think you know one of the things that i remember so much what you told me just it just reminded me of you know you taking them to the beach and you just showing up differently and you know, creating this new home together with them. And, you know, I will never forget starting this, my journaling practice. That was something that became really, and it's still to this day, I journal every single morning. And it was something that was really important to me. And it was really important to me that my daughter saw me taking that time for myself. And I remember her coming down. I used to, when they were really young and I was out of balance, (laughs) Um, I used to yell to them to get ready for school. I'd be like, come on, come on, everybody, everybody. And we were rushing, you know. And I decided when I moved into this new home that there would be no more of that, that everyone would be responsible for their own time. And if they don't make it to school on time, then they will be held accountable through the school for what that means for being late. So I started journaling. I would literally just sit down every morning with my cup of coffee And I could hear their alarms going off. You know, I would get kind of some breakfast out for them. And then I would sit and I would journal. And I remember my daughter started to come down the stairs and she'd be like, hi, mom, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm just journaling. And she started coming over and literally hugging and kissing me before she left for school. It created this calm environment. And yeah, there were days she was still late. But she had to stay after school and, and, you know, own that because she was responsible for her own time. So it's these beautiful gifts that we give them, right? And that they see that we are giving to ourselves. And I think it's such a lesson. So so thank you so much for sharing that. And I don't want to forget to, to ask you one really important thing, which is about your transformation and about sort of I talk a lot about these pivots that we make in life. And, you know, you talked in the beginning and in your bio about your um, HR executive career in corporate America. And um, I know that was something that, you know, was a big part of your life for a long time. And so talk about a pivot. You are now a spiritual life coach. You're a retreat speaker. You're a life cycle celebrant. Wow. Wow. So can you tell me about that pivot and how you made that pivot? Because so many women are afraid to do that. Sure. So a couple of things influenced that in a big way, Chrissy. I'm not
1: sure if I hadn't gone through my divorce that I ever would have changed out of that comfort zone or discomfort zone of HR. Um, it's, It's interesting, you know, when my son Nathaniel turned 30, we were in the car, and you know, and I, I want to mention that our journey to me and our journey in family as mom is continuously changing too and unfolding. It's not. It's it's dynamic. It's never static. And I remember we were in the car, and he said, "Mom, I've got something to share that's really deep." And I had learned by that point from my years of having meditation practice to breathe in deeply, and also mm-hmm. that I would be in in response rather than reaction. And he, he said, you know, Mom, God's got a bigger calling on my life. And this was in 2019, 2018, 2019. And, and he said, um, I'm going to go to Nepal to go work at an orphanage in Kathmandu. And I said, how long are you going for? And he said, I have no idea. I'm going to see what unfolds. And I adore my, adore all my kids, but yeah, being the oldest and having been through so much with him, uh, and I said, "Wow, that's fantastic! You have my support. Mm. I'm thrilled for you. I look forward."
0: Oh, you just gave me chills. That's beautiful. What's
1: going to come forth? And I'll be there for you. I'm always there for you, and. And I could tell just the energy in our car. If our car could have elevated from the ground, it would have. And and a couple of years later, my my daughter, Kristen, was going to grad school and she asked if we could go on a trip. She was she's decided to go to grad school in Sweden, in Stockholm at KTH University. And it was really hitting me, wow. She's going to be really far away. She said, how about if we go to Iceland and make a transition? Let's take a week in Iceland together, Mom, and go sightseeing in nature. Yes. I said, okay. (laughs) And, you know, and then she was going to be going to Sweden and I was going to be going back to Florida. And I remember I had a day after she had left where I was still in Iceland. And I remember standing out looking over the sea and it was cold and it was gloomy. And I said, you know, my children are pursuing their dreams. And I'm staying static. What am I doing? I know there's an inner echo in me that's been echoing for years, years. Um even in high school, I took a, you know, one of those career tests and it showed that I should be a priest or a minister. And it's really funny, Chrissy, because on the 24th of February, I'm going to be ordained as an interfaith minister. Finally, <laughs> a few decades to answer the call. Um, but I said, why not me? Why not me? And am I going to continue to sit here in this stagnancy? And I think COVID-19 was such a gift to me because I had to lay off so many people. I had to watch the workplace transform and do things that really weren't tasteful to me. And the distaste became strong enough in my mouth that I said, I'm going to get some new certifications. I'm going to go to seminary. I'm just going to do the things to be me because I can't any longer. It's like, it's like, you know, Christ says, you know, the old wineskins can no longer hold who you are. You've, you've got to get new wineskins to hold who you've become. And yeah, and just so many things that come about from learning about a beautiful modality called heart math that helps with people's resilience and, and having to do, um, a practicum in that where I worked with clients, you know, doing life designer coaching where I started to work with clients and I'd come off calls and I just feel like the whole inside of me, my inner glow stick had, had grown exponentially. And I'm like, this is what I want to be doing. And then I learned about, you know, the beauty of rituals and the beauty of ceremony and found out about life cycle celebrancy and how, you know, being able to Respect each person's path, but give them ceremonies that are meaningful, whether it be a child naming or a wedding or a house blessing or a threshold change, like a divorce ceremony or um, moving into a new career ceremony or an ordination or, or, um, you know, or a celebration of life and the beauty of these thresholds. And I've always loved to write. And so it seemed to combine my love of spirituality, my love of writing, my love of of holding sacred space. And so I'm loving this work I'm doing. And I know that my ordination coming up is going to supercharge that, that um, love in my heart for serving people in whatever way and providing them either coaching or celebrations that nurture their souls. And I I know that's why I'm here. You know, I finally figured it out. And I think I got into HR because I really wanted to nurture the beauty in others. And that's never gone away. But But the way that I wanted to manifest that has really changed. And I'm thankful for the gift of my health and the gift of people I love in my life. I have found that, yes, it's a scary path. It's no different than divorce because the more you walk into me, The more opportunities there are to walk into uncharted territories, I'm looking out right now, um, we're getting the first snow of the season here in Chattanooga, and it's blanketing all the pathways. And I'm thinking, yeah, sometimes God blankets our pathways so that we have to chart a new course, a memorable course that's going to leave footprints on our hearts and the hearts of others. And we need to be able to walk it because I, I keep thinking I have this beautiful friend that put on a course once on the angels. And she said to me, Mary, you have to realize for every day that you're not charting that pathway and walking in what the divine creator sent you here to do. There's somebody not served that should have been.
0: Oh, how beautiful. Mm, mm, wow. What? Oh, Mary, that's so beautiful. And you know, doesn't everybody want to find their purpose? want to find their path. And that's what you're doing. And, but you got there again. So you did it, you know, when you left your marriage and you changed your life there and you, you did it, you're doing it again now where you're making again, how uncomfortable here, you're leaving like this high paying executive job and as a single mom and like, okay, I'm going to pivot and i'm going to move into being a spiritual coach and you know get ordained and all these other things wow and how scary but you did it and and again yeah. the universe opened up all these beautiful opportunities for you and you were able to see through doing like that coaching when you were first getting certified and now as you're doing these different weddings it, you're feeling it in 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 your entire body and spirit and That is when we know that we are exactly where we need to be. Well, and I've
1: seen how much I've grown, Chrissy, because, you know, for many years, I stayed in such an unfulfilling marriage, fearing the judgment of others, truly fearing that I would lose relationships. And truthfully, I didn't lose one, not one. You know, and, and then I feared becoming an interfaith minister as a Catholic, you know, that I'm going to lose so many of my Catholic and Christian friends that they're going to think that I've, you know, lost my, my sense of self and stuff. Instead, you know, as I've positioned it, that I'm ministering and reaching out with so much divine love to those that have different paths to the truth, I found that anybody who's had condemnation for me, it's really okay. I'm okay with it because I have so much love that's been nurtured within me right now. And God's brought me whole new tribes of people both to have as, as you were saying, that grounding of friendship to support me in it, like yourself, and new people to serve that... Well, I wouldn't have ever maybe known otherwise. And, you know, and sometimes life costs that. In order to be who we are, sometimes there is a cost. And we have to say it's more important to walk in what we just know as we know as we know in our own divine light than to worry about what others will judge us in. And for so many years, I, I, I found I was just I I'd push it down. You know and compartmentalize it and say I guess I've got to stay here because that judgment is just pushing me down. And I just said, no, that judgment can't ever push me down again.
0: No. And what a beautiful, <laughs> that's the perfect note to end on because it is. It's all about standing in our truth. It's about being authentic to who we are. And when you do that, you just watch everything unfold beautifully. And that's what's happened in your life. And I'm so happy for you. And I am so happy for those that are going to be blessed by the work that you are doing. And so I do want to ask for the audience, how can they get in touch with you, Mary, if they want to work with you either as a coach or as an ordained minister? Beautiful. And thank you, Chrissy. So my website is
1: www.sacredrelationship.com. Um, you can reach out to me at any time and I welcome it at mary at sacredrelationship.com. There's no S, it's just singular, sacred relationship, your relationship with you, your relationship with the me that is you, and also that divine sacred light that exists within you. Um, I would be love if you ever have a retreat where you'd love me to be a speaker, if you would like to have a ceremony celebrating your progress, um, we'd love to joyously celebrate you in that. Um, if you have any friends that are having any kind of life threshold, be it a moving into a new house and wanting a house blessing or a baby naming or anything that you might like to celebrate, there's always reason in these thresholds to have special ceremonies that help us to move into them with power, with grace, with wholeness. And, and I love that. So, um, I am willing to do work online or, you know, if talk to me, if we'd ever need to make a trip and, you know, you need me in person, we can work that out too. So, so thank you.
0: Great. And I'll be including that in the show notes as well for people who are listening. So you can find all of Mary's information there. And yes, When I start building my own retreats, of course I will be having Mary there as well, because first I want to meet her in person because we have not (laughs) had the pleasure of meeting one another in person yet, but we are going to do that. So thank you so much, Mary, for being here. What a beautiful interview and message for our audience. And for those of you that are interested in joining the From Mrs. To Me community, Find us on Facebook at From Mrs. To Me, rediscovering you after divorce. And right now we are in the middle of doing a 30-day intention challenge, which is so amazing. So come check it out there. And if you like this episode, please like us on Facebook, follow us. And I look forward to seeing you again on our next episode of From Mrs. To Me. Until then, stay strong. Sending love. I hope you enjoyed another episode of From Mrs. to Me, real life stories of real women and their journey of transformation after divorce. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and if you like this episode, please drop a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a story to share? Are you ready to inspire other women on their journey through divorce? If so, find me on Instagram at From Mrs. To Me. For more tools and resources on creating your path to transformation after divorce, follow my community on Facebook, From Mrs. To Me, Rediscovering You After Divorce.